Welcome to Best True Crime Podcast, a division of Best True Crime Books, Games, and Video, LLC. I'm your lead investigator on this case, Judith A. Yates, award-winning true crime author, a criminologist, and a paranormal explorer. Every episode is an investigation where you and I explore true crime, forensics, historic cases, dark history, and criminal theory. We discuss the cases, share information, no chatter, no commercials, no off-topic. Now, grab your crime scene kit, a notebook, and your favorite hat. This is Best True Crime Podcast. The date is June 2022. The place is East London, South Africa. Your assignment is to investigate what has become known as the Inyobaini Tavern Disaster. When police arrived at the tavern at 4 a.m. on June 26, 2022, they were appalled at what they discovered. Bodies were draped over tables and chairs, slumped onto the dance floor. Some lay strewn about or dropped in circles where they once stood in yammering, happy conversation. But what caused the officers to step back was the victims ranged in age from 13 to 17. The legal drinking age was 18. 21 children would be declared deceased by the end of the night in what is now known as the Inyobaini Tavern Disaster. A disaster, yes, but was it murder? The Inyobaini Tavern is a two-story square blue building with a flat metal roof, burglar bars covering the first floor windows, and it's nothing glamorous. Cables and wires loop from outside poles into windows and along the sides of the building. Walking in, you will find small rooms, the floors wooden planks or tile. The tavern is really a house turned into a business. No hallways, rooms connected by wide doorways. Some walls are spray-painted bright yellow, accented by black wavy stripes. Snakes of neon spray paint decorate here and there. There are simple wooden benches for patrons to sit and drink and chat. Overhead white pipe slide along the ceiling. Black booth seating and short square end tables are available for patrons, along with cafeteria-style tables and milk crates for alternative seating. The second floor is for VIP with black sofas, a corner bar, weathered picnic tables, and a balcony. There are few exits. The small rooms connected by narrow doorways, the burglar bars on the windows, and lack of a safety or security plan made the Inyobaini Tavern a disaster waiting. The tavern is in a crowded area, stuffed between shops and houses, in Lower Income Scenery Park, East London, South Africa. Scenery Park is not how it sounds. There is little scenery except simple boxy houses built close together in a hard scrabble neighborhood. One look tells about the living style of these people. Many residents rely on government aid. Power outages are the norm, so a generator is handy to have if the resident can afford it. The Inyobaini Tavern, for example, has at least one generator. Sayak Hengila Devu is the Inyobaini Tavern manager, a thick man with a shiny bald head. His wife, Vuyokazi Devu, is a medium-built woman with close-cropped dark red hair. She owns the tavern. This is fitting, considering the tavern is a shabin. The term Shabin came from Ireland. 
It identifies an illicit bar or club where alcoholic beverages are sold without a license or without taxation. As it was an illegal venue, there are usually no capacity limits, no regulations as to fire exits, safety measures, or any events encumbered by law. And in Africa, they were often run by women called Shabin Queens. Alcohol brewing is a part of world history. True to African tradition, women brew the alcohol. Shabin Queens not only brew the intoxicating drinks, but provide the place to drink and discuss anything from personal to political issues. Activists use Shabins during the apartheid. All types of people from all backgrounds and communities meet at Shabins for a drink and conversation. Sometimes there is music, dancing, perhaps a speaker. If you walk in, you might order a traditional African beer brewed from sorghum and honey. You could say they were the speakeasies of modern South Africa. The Inyobaini Tavern was once such Shabin. Like so many taverns in urban and rural areas in South Africa, the business did not have a license. Police forces and local officials are too understaffed and underpaid to shut them all down, and a Shabin queen can slip money into the palm of anyone who will keep silent and ignore the situation. In June of 2022, the Inyobaini Tavern was advertising the big party. A Saturday night of hookah, food, and alcohol, they promised. Patrons were told to wear black and white. The tavern was celebrating not just the DJ's birthday party, but also the traditional pins down, the end of school exams in South Africa. To top off the many things to celebrate, it was also youth month, time to revel in being young and forgetting your troubles. The party date was set for Saturday, June 25th, 2022. The party was to ebb into the next day, Sunday, June 26. This would later be called the Inyobaini Tavern Disaster. Young people donned their nicest black and white clothing. Girls preened before the mirror and boys ensured they looked sharp. Who knows who you might meet or who might ask you to dance? There would be alcohol, of course, and hubbly-bubbly, the slang for hookah pipes. It would be a huge crowd. For just one night, you could forget you were a Scenery Park kid. And anything was possible. So off they went, into the night, the girls huddled together giggling, boys laughing, bouncing off each other, excited about what the night would bring. Locals watched, adults shaking their heads. They knew there was underage drinking at the Inyo Bay Knee Tavern. The noise would go on late into the night, upsetting law-abiding citizens. Complaints to officials were useless. They had even appealed to the local government, the Buffalo City Metropolitan Municipality. There were over a thousand taverns in the municipality, but only two inspectors in the area where Inyobaini Tavern was located. You just need to take responsibility for your children, these adults were chastised. And even after June 26, 2022, a high official told the media, the parents need to see that their kids are kept well. The call is on the community to say, we can't allow our kids to die. It was about 4 a.m. that Sunday when someone notified the police that there were many dead at the tavern. That's when police arrived. One officer would later be quoted as saying, there were three young people who were coming to speak with us when we got to the scene. 
and they fainted along the way. And the bodies inside, it was surreal. Bodies, the youngest being 13, on the dance floor and in circles where they once stood or ordering drinks, slumped in chairs and sofas and draped across tables. Police began to evacuate, finding some people alive. There were no obvious signs of injury, no guns, knives, or anything crime-related. The teens looked like human puppets where someone had just cut their strings all at once and left them to fall in place. Despite the best efforts, two victims died either during evacuation or in transit to hospital, one of them being one of the students who fainted when initially approaching police. Two victims would die at local clinic. This means what they consumed remained in their bodies, an investigator would later say. Local media arrived to try and catch it all, to garner interviews. A crowd of parents, families, friends, and onlookers gathered around the tavern area, and police had to push them back. Once the building was emptied, all that remained were scattered shoes, trash, broken glass, remnants of what was a fun night. A purse here, its strap busted. A pretty hat, now covered in shoe prints. Busted balloons hanging off the wall. It was a crowd crush, bar manager Mr. Gavel reported. He said he was not at the tavern, but had received a phone call from tavern security at about 1 a.m., and it was so crowded that people were forcing their way through a gate just outside the tavern. The tavern's entertainment manager, who is also the DJ, reported the same saying there were not enough employees to deal with the crowd. Bouncers had tried to control the crowd, but it just became madness. It was so crowded that performers could not even play. He told SABC News that he noticed people being dragged upstairs and patrons fainting. He grabbed some water and poured water on one of the patrons, thinking that they had just fainted from the crowd and the heat. But someone told him, they're dead. The DJ was able to survive because he was upstairs. Videos of the interior would later reveal the tavern was packed with people, and many of them underage. One 16-year-old female patron would later tell the BBC, the venue was packed, entrance was free, and free alcohol also was being dished out. We started drinking and having fun with others. But some patrons told a different story. A 17-year-old patron reported a bouncer's attempt to make people leave when the tavern became so overcrowded. And this patron reported a security guard closing the tavern doors sprayed a chemical into the crowd. The 17-year-old said breathing was difficult as the spray hit the crowd. So the crowd began shoving one another, trying to escape the fumes and gasping for air. Some people are dying, they were shouting. And the spray smelled like gas, another patron would report. A student who was injured in the fray fell and was just trapped by bodies. But hands and arms were coming through the group and stole his personal belongings. Another 17-year-old was quoted in Independence Online. While we were sitting inside at around 12 a.m., someone sprayed pepper spray and we ran out. We didn't see who sprayed the pepper spray, but we were told it was the owner and he wanted us to leave. We left and went to another place. When we came back again, the door was locked and the bouncer wouldn't let us in because it was already packed inside. 
A 19-year-old female eyewitness told the French agency press, We tried moving through the crowd, shouting, Please let us through. And others were shouting, We are dying, guys, and we are suffocating, and there are people who can't breathe. This girl then passed out, describing that there was a strong smell of some type of spray in the air. We thought it was pepper spray. A 22-year-old man told ABC News how he was at the Inyobeni Tavern that night. He was ordering drinks. He observed the doors close and then some type of chemical was sprayed into the air. There was no way out, he said. There was no chance to breathe. He thought it might be tear gas or pepper spray. And he was surrounded by bodies when he awoke. The tear gas suffocated many people, the 22-year-old man reported. That's why people died. They were dropping like flies, a teenager told BBC News. An East London man who lived near the tavern told News 24 about that early morning and what he witnessed. He was at home when he heard glass shattering outside. Thinking it was his vehicle and a break-in, he went outside. He heard more noise from the tavern and looked to see a young girl screaming at him from a window. Mr. We are dying. People were hanging out of the windows and off the balcony, screaming they couldn't breathe. Water, they cried out. Mr. Tata, water. He found a water bottle and filled it, tossing it up to the panic-stricken people many times. Children, he said, incredulous. They were children. On the first floor, patrons had managed to smash away a window's burglar bars and climb out of the window. This man ran to assist. He gave a boy CPR pouring water on his head to resuscitate him. Please don't die, he begged. Please don't die on me. He managed to rescue six people. But when he was able to look inside the tavern through the window, he broke into tears. At the end of the weekend, South African Police Service reported 21 teenagers died and four were injured on June 27th at Inyobaini Tavern in Scenery Park, East London. It became the Inyobaini Tavern Disaster. Now Scenery Park East London residents were demanding the Inyobaini Tavern be shut down. June 26, 2022 was the final straw. Underage drinking. Taverns so overcrowded with no security or safety measures. How long had they been complaining? Was it because they were poor people? And everyone knew how corrupt some officials were. The tavern keys were eventually handed over to the owners, who promptly went into hiding. Family members of the owners cleaned up the debris. A mass funeral was held July 6 in East London's Scenery Park. The identical brown wooden coffins were lined up in two rows, topped with a spray of flowers. Over a thousand family and community members sat side by side, under a tent. When the white plastic lawn chairs in the tent were taken, mourners sat outside. Hymns floated over tear-stained faces and the 21 coffins. There were two empty coffins to represent two lives taken, but those two were interned in private burials by their families. Still, some of the families wanted to include these two because in some way they could pray and mourn for those two babies lost along with their own. The Inyobaini Tavern disaster was not over with the graves of these 21 children. As the township mourned, the Eastern Cape Liquor Board opened a criminal case against the Inyobaini Tavern. 
Seven days after the mass funeral, police announced the 52-year-old owner of the Inyobeni Tavern, as well as two employees, aged 33 and 34, were arrested. The two employees were fined 2,000 South African Rand, about $118 in U.S. money, and the tavern manager was served a summons for his immediate arrest and he would appear in a court of law in East London Magistrate Court on August 19th. The charge? Allegedly selling alcohol to minors. The toxicology analysis would determine criminal charges for the 21 deaths, the South American Minister of Police was telling the public. As for the student who fell and was robbed of his personal belongings that night, four suspects were identified. One was a minor, so was released to his parents. The other three were arrested and denied bail. Autopsies were completed by June 30th. It was determined the deaths occurred between 2 a.m. and 4.30 a.m. local time Sunday. There was no determination as to cause a death, but it was not a stampede as the club employees were insisting. There were no open wounds which are present during such an event. So toxicology tests were ordered. The chief medical officer ruled the body showed signs of carbon monoxide poisoning from the gas generators used to power this tavern during power loss, which was sporadic in this area. Another official in the forensic pathology disagreed. What about a combination of breathing the fumes and alcohol poisoning? No, that was ruled out. And then came the answer. Methanol is an organic chemical. According to the Methanol Institute, it is a chemical building block for hundreds of everyday products, including plastics, paints, car parts, and construction materials. Methanol also is a clean energy resource used to fuel vehicles, boilers, and cookstoves. Methanol is extremely poisonous. About two to eight ounces can be deadly for an adult. Methanol is not toxic in and of itself, but when it is metabolized, it becomes highly toxic. It smells like alcohol and will inhibit the respiration chain. On July 19th, it was reported that methanol was present in the bodies of all 21 of the deceased. The issue was, were the levels of methanol in the bodies lethal doses, or was there an additional factor leading to death? And therein lies the difference between a trial for murder or just a fine. If the levels of methanol were enough to have killed the 21 victims, or if it was a combination of methanol and another source. So where is this case today? The South African National Assembly's Portfolio Committee on Women, Youth, and Persons with Disabilities has demanded police to accelerate this investigation. As always, the surviving victims are at the mercy of a force larger than themselves, the courts and the government. Lawyers for Human Rights and an Eastern Cape law firm have volunteered and is managing a team to legally assist the parents of those lost. The Inyobeni Tavern's liquor license remains suspended. The case against the Devus, who own and manage the tavern, has been suspended to April 2023. Until then, Saya Kang Ilan Gavu and his wife, Voyokazi, have made several court appearances. The Inyobeni Tavern owners have apologized.
The Inyobeni Tavern disaster killed 21 youngsters, kids who were out for the night in the hopes of just having fun and celebrating their youth. I'm Judith A. Yates. This is Best True Crime Podcast. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and be safe out there. I'm Raven Rollins, and this is my Southern True Crime Podcast, where I discuss cases from my former hometown. Ada, Oklahoma paints itself as an average community, but its history of murder and corruption runs deeper than any story has ever told. You'll hear plenty of special guests, including authors and experts in their fields, who visit with me on each episode, as well as other cases in the Southern states. With notorious and unknown cases alike, every victim sees the light on my show. This is Sirens, a true crime podcast. Best True Crime Games announces its premier game, Survive the Titanic, the card game. In this game, you will meet survivors, gather equipment, and relive history. This card game combines skill and strategy with history and lore. But will you survive? The object of the game is to collect a set number of survivors and pieces of equipment into your lifeboat before Titanic sinks. But don't add luggage and watch out for those SOS cards. Just like an iceberg, the speed of a ship, or weather conditions, certain cards can change your plans in one turn. The RMS Titanic was the most luxurious ship to sail the oceans, the largest man-made object on Earth in her time. On April 10, 1912, the Titanic set sail for her maiden voyage to New York. On April 14, Titanic struck an iceberg. Two hours and 40 minutes later, she disappeared into the sea, taking 1,496 souls to the bottom of the ocean. Now you can travel back to 1912 and this exciting, engaging card game. As the game moves along, you will learn fascinating facts about the Titanic passengers that don't often make headlines, collect vital life-saving equipment from 1900s ocean travel, and discover objects on the RMS Titanic Manifest. The game is also a memorial to those lost in the hopes you will allow their legacy to live on. Some proceeds will be donated to a nonprofit organization that supports this mission. For more information, go to www.besttruecrime.com and click on Games. Thank you for joining me on this investigation, exploring true crime, forensics, historic cases, dark history, and criminal theory. This is Best True Crime Podcast. No chatter, no commercials, no off-topic. I do hope you will subscribe. This podcast runs off donations only. You can drop us a donation, $35 or more, and I'll send you a signed book. Just go to www.besttruecrime.com. My name is Judith A. Yates, award-winning true crime author, a criminologist, and a paranormal explorer. Thank you for joining me on Best True Crime Podcast, a division of Best True Crime Books, Games, and Video, LLC. Be safe out there.